Hello, I'm Gary Hickey from the Research Design Service Southeast and welcome to that co-production podcast. Uh, and this is a podcast series that we are doing in partnership with the National Institute for Health Research's Centre for Engagement and Dissemination. And today we'll be exploring the co-production plans of the Applied Research Collaboration in Kent, Surrey and Sussex. And joining me today are my co-host Katie Turner, a researcher who draws on a lived experience uh, and amongst many other roles that she has, is part of the public involvement team at the Research Design Service Southeast. So hello, Katie, and how are you? Hello, Gary. Hello, Nadia. Hello, everybody. I'm very well today. Thank you. And our special guest today uh, is Nadia Brooks, uh, and she's the co-production theme lead at the Applied Research Collaboration Kent, Surrey and Sussex. Hello, Nadia, and how are you? Hi, Gary. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's Great to be here. Thank you for asking me. Um, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, Nadia, we always begin with a little bit of fun, a little bit of a fun icebreaker. Yeah. So our question for you today is, and it's, and it's very appropriate given the times we're living in, what tips can you give us for combating distractions whilst working from home? Well, I, I am kind of used to working at home a couple of days a week, but obviously not completely home-based as we've ended up doing now. Um, so I have been bothered by and distracted by cats, husbands, sons, the washing machine, um, like everybody else. So one of the things that I did was I brought back the Pomodoro, which I used to use a few years ago. Now, if you don't know what the Pomodoro is, it's kind of a time management method, which was developed in the late 1980s. And it's where you break down your time into 25 minute slots and you don't do anything else for those 25 minutes except focus on the task that you've decided to do. Then you take a short break for five minutes. Then you start again with another 25 minutes. And but it's called the Pomodoro because that's the Italian word for tomato. And it was developed by a man who used a tomato-shaped kitchen timer when he'd sort of developed the technique when he was a university student. So it's supposed to help you focus and sort of, you know, improve the flow of what you're doing. And so I decided to reinstate this into my life, kind of stop those distractions. But the good thing about doing it now is, is that there's all kinds of websites and apps where you can have your dancing tomato timer to help you. And it, and it buzzes on the screen to tell you your 25 minutes are up. So it's introduced a bit more of a fun element to that. Is this one of your polite ways of saying you want this podcast to finish at 25 minutes? <laughs> yeah, I can only now focus for 25 <laughs> minutes at a time. <laughs> Thank you, Nadia. Katie. Fascinating. That's really fascinating. I'm going to have to look up that app because <laughs> that's kind of how I try and do my work from home anyway is by, by, by breaking it down into sort of half hour chunks. So um, I'm, I'm intrigued now. I'm going to do that and, um, and see where it takes me. Um, my first question, Nadia, I think it'd be useful if you could tell us a little bit about the role of the applied research collaborations in general, that's um, ARC for short, I believe. Yeah. And then more specifically, could you tell us a bit about your role in the um, ARC Southeast in particular? Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, 
everything has to have an acronym. So yes, we are the ARC, which is the Applied Research Collaboration. And what existed before that was something with an even longer acronym, which was the CLARC, which was Collaboration for Leadership in Applied Health Research and Care, which was kind of the thing that came before the ARCs. And the CLARCs existed for about between five and 10 years, and then were replaced by what we have now. So now there's ARCs that cover all regions of England and um, Kent, Surrey and Sussex were successful in getting funding for that for a first sort of arrangement like that. And it's just finished its first year of setting up. The idea behind them is that you sort of develop these regionally based research partnerships. So that's kind of between local providers, uh, NHS services, local authorities, other health and social care organisations, universities and other organisations. The ARC in Kent, Surrey and Sussex has got 40 plus organisations on board with it. And sort of the overarching aim of it is to actually improve health and social care for the people who live in that region. And it's supposed to be able to do that through involving people, patients, carers, service users, through implementation of this applied health and social care research, which is the thing that's slightly different with it than other things I've been involved in, where you don't then follow through that research into sort of implementing the findings and having a direct impact on services. The ARC in Cancer in Sussex has got four core themes, and these are social care, which were the national ARC, uh, so we lead on social care nationally. There's a core theme which is starting well, which is around uh, children and young people and mental health. There's dementia and primary and community care. And then alongside those, you've got four what we call cross-cutting themes, which is basically we try and sort of put a part of ourselves into each of the core themes, which is co-production. There's one which is around sort of the economics and costs of things. There's one around digital innovation and then sort of a broader sort of public health theme. So my role within that is, is that I lead the co-production theme and we're a small sort of team of people. There's another researcher. Um, we've got a public advisor attached to the theme. And we're hoping to get another one on board um, to help us sort of with the direction of what we do and things like that. We kind of had quite a grand aim in that we're there to support the implementation of the research. We're there to support the core themes with the work that they do by trying to embed, you know, co-production in the things that they do. And we are hoping that we can contribute to the evidence base around co-production. And then there's three sub-themes within that, so, um, or areas of focus. And one of those is health and well-being. So the focus around that is things like self-management. There's health and social care services, so that might be people being involved in the co-design of those or the, the management or governance of those, and then in the research itself. We also host the patient public involvement work within the co-production theme, so we work closely with the team who deliver that within the ARC. 
so um, on the ground trying to get local people involved in everything that the ARC does and you know I think initially my role is about trying to support the other themes with the aim of making co-production a part of everything that they do so we're, we're kind of you know they're knocking on the door saying have you thought about this um, and that's probably you know the, the primary part of my role. Thanks Nadia. Very interesting. Sounds like you've got an awful lot there, really. <laughs> oh, when you mentioned 40 plus sort of organisations that you're linking yeah. up with, potentially, that, that's yeah. a huge amount of sort of engagement and making connections with, isn't it? So uh, quite a challenge, I think. Yeah. And, we, and each theme has implementation leads of the core themes, so they sort of help make that happen, those connections on the ground. So Because obviously we can't be everywhere. Sure. Sticking with the, the, the co-production theme that, that, that you lead, Nadia, and you've touched on it, this already, and I know it is um, early days in many ways, but could you tell us something about your emerging plans for the Southeast region in terms of co-production? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of, you know, it is kind of changing as we go along, but we do have some sort of things that we, we're, we're going to put in place in the next year or two. One of the things is we, we need to sort of have our own public involvement strategy and structures for the ARC. So what we're doing at the moment is we're trying to co-produce that. With, so we've got a group of people representing the public service providers, researchers and, and wider ARC staff working together to produce the strategy, you know, what we want to achieve and how we want to get there with that. So we're kind of in the early stages of doing that. And we're, we're also, as is Gary, you know, a partner in restarting the regional public involvement forum, because we're kind of hoping that we can build a group of people who, you know, share a common interest in, you know, public involvement, co-production. And so we can, you know, learn things from each other. There's been some more sort of things that we haven't been directly responsible for, which will kind of help future work is there's been a, a survey to map research activity and things like that and, and as part of that we've asked questions about co-production and public involvement so we're hoping we can find out what's going on already what researchers are actually involved in already so, so that we can build on what's already there then the core theme implementation leads those four people there have been have been going out and mapping the local organisations. So then we'll try and build on those connections that they've made in those areas um, and try and draw them in um, to help support our theme and our work. There will be the development of some uh, training programmes and resources set up. I mean, obviously, we don't want to duplicate what other people have already done, but we'll try and do it with a local flavour, you know, for the aimed at people working in Kent, Surrey and Sussex. As I've already mentioned, you know, one of the key parts of the work will be to support co-production across the themes and the projects, the research projects that happen within those themes. And what we're hoping is that, you know, we can lead eventually, maybe towards the end of um, the second year, set up a collaborative project where we're all working together with co-production as sort of the core of that. Um, we also will be working with other ARCs because obviously there's many others across the country 
so who were already doing other things. Um, we've just recently linked with the ARC in South London who have a patient public involvement theme, research theme. So we're going to work with them to do some work in Kent. And then the first task of the researchers, they're going to be looking and trying to, you know, summarise the evidence on co-production around older people, children and young people's mental health and social care around co-production. With, we think probably the focus will be on, you know, what kind of things are out there that might be useful specifically to support the work of the themes rather than a very, you know, academic, systematic review. And then we have joined up with the University of Surrey and we're going to be following a project and supporting co-production with that project because they're, they're involving people in the actual research process, but then they're also going to design an intervention at the end as part of you know a, a service in the community so we're going to follow that over time providing them with advice and support but also evaluating and documenting what goes on so that we, we've got quite a long-term case study which hope will will provide wider information for people so, so that is just I mean there are other things but that's probably the key things which we're going to be doing in the next year or two thank you very much Maggie. Okay. Katie Gosh, that's, that's a really full agenda and sort of going from looking at strategy and structure and your infrastructure to actually supporting, you know, individual projects. So really sort of wide. I mean, we're kind of hoping that people will learn by doing. So, you know, we don't have to keep doing this and supporting everybody. We hope eventually that people will be able to, you know, to take these things on for themselves. Uh, there's something quite important, though, I think, about, about learning by doing, isn't there? And I don't know if you agree, Casey, but I found co-production work that we've done. It really is learning as you go along and you can have the guidance is, is helpful. Of course it is. Uh, um, but there is something about there's no one size fits all, is there? No. And there, there is that thing about having to apply it to different circumstances and adapt and be flexible um, around yeah. that. And and as you know, at, at the um, for the, the public involvement team at the Research Design Service Southeast, and we are trying to be guided by some uh, co-production principles. Yeah, uh, I, I find it quite good fun to do it, but it is you know it does present challenges. You know, in, in an environment yeah. with scarce resources, etc., and all those things. That's right. Yeah, but it does, um, shall we say, push you towards being, I think, innovative. Yeah, um, and and it certainly is a different way of working. In my belief, is ultimately it's a more rewarding way of doing things um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean I, and I think it's to, I mean it's a bit like you know trying to in three meetings and working in between to produce the public involvement strategy for the ARC I think we just have to be not scared if it doesn't work because you know we try something but you know asking people to go on to glass cubes or whatever may not be the way that that's best for everybody to you know to be involved but you just have to try these things or you'll never know you know so that's right it's something about isn't it but embracing a little bit that or, or at the very least learn to live with a degree of uncertainty yeah uh being okay that some things may not work and that's okay you, know, you tried it so you try a different route but to keep that kind of that dialogue going and Katie's introducing our team like a reflective practice Mm. you know so, so we look at things and how we're doing yeah. and we'll try things and as you say some won't work and that's okay but that's part of the story and I, yeah. get, I guess in, in the world of research we tend to don't we write about things that worked and we give the impression yeah. 
that everything yeah. worked and it was lovely and it worked, it flowed. But the reality, yeah. life isn't like that. And I, and I think that's okay. And I think it's about learning to live with that, isn't it? Acknowledge yeah, that, it but not yeah. getting hung up on it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, going back, I agree, uh, Gary, it's very much about learning by doing, but also Nadia, going back to, uh, Nadia, going back to what you were saying about sort of hoping to kind of infuse, if you like, the teams and then sort of letting them sort of develop and the things. And I, I, I think for me, co-production is about that. It's about providing people with a framework, some ideas, something, well, this is what we're kind of thinking about, talking about. There's a degree of flexibility in it, but this is kind of a, a loose consensus of what we understand by co-production. And it's that sort of equipping teams with that knowledge, if you like, and support, but then giving them the freedom or whatever it is to actually develop things on their own and become self-sufficient with that. I don't think it isn't about overseeing or describing something that people have to do. It's about equipping people and then hoping that they'll develop their own energy and their own sort of self-sufficiency to, to, to carry on doing the work together. That's okay. Um, I think in the, the work you've described, there's there's obviously lots of challenges around that work. Are, are there ways in which you think that um, co-production can help address some of these challenges? And if so, what might those ways be? I mean, I think that, um, you know, fundamentally, you know, it, that from the, there's two ways, I suppose, of looking at it. I think that... Um, the work of the ARC originally was based on looking at what was going on locally in terms of, you know, the region had the highest growth rate of people aged over 65 in England outside London. There was high rates of hospital admissions for self-harm amongst young people. You know, it's a dispersed population in smaller towns and villages. So that creates its own particular challenges. So there are the local health and social care issues, which I hope that by through co-production with the local communities, you know, patients, the wider public, that is the key to addressing some of those challenges. So not just challenges around co-production, but actually, you know, the health and social care challenges that the region faces by being key to the research, the implementation of those findings, and then, you know, the design and delivery of the service to address them. So, you know, it, I think it probably is quite, you know, and that's an ambitious aim to have, but I would kind of hope that that's ultimately what we can do. From my own personal perspective, I think, you know, and going back to the, you know, the learning by doing aspect, I think I found in my working life is that once people get to meet these people who are the public and, work, you know, and a part of the communities, you know, it's about the relationships. And I think that is the key to it. I think people, you know, they develop the understanding of needing to involve people of, you know, of listening to them about them being, you know, an integral part in all of this. By that, I think it's about people, ultimately. And, you know, because I've had the privilege, and like some other people of working very closely, 
with people who are considered to be, you know, lay advisors or whoever. But I think, you know, are the experts in this. <laughs> and so that's why we need to be keeping that in mind all the time. And I think once people rub up against each other a bit more, it's probably not a good analogy to use but um, then I think you know these things will come I think then it will be less of a challenge and people will think about it well you won't have to think about it if you see what I mean that's kind of funny but but that is you know probably quite a long way down the line you know and there are people working under pressures that, that they have to deal with themselves and I think that 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 is sometimes when these things aren't always a major consideration Thanks. Thanks, Nadia. And I, I think what you said about relationships and the importance of, of developing, establishing and developing those relationships as a, as a core element or principle, if you like, of, of co-production and how that may you know, help to address some of the challenges you face is, uh, is really important. And I think, Gary, you'd agree that that sort of echoes, I think everybody we've spoken to so far has really highlighted the importance of relationships in that, in that mm -hmm. process and how it, it really underpins almost everything that you do and, and how important it is. Although we must acknowledge the busy sort of research, research environment where time is in, yeah. often in short supply that's a real challenge to, to get the necessary resources and time to devote to those relationships. It's a, it's a bit of a conundrum and very much a challenge, I think. Yeah, I, I do agree, Katie. I mean, I think it's absolutely crucial. The more I do co-production, the more I realise how crucial that is and, and the, the time and the effort required. And as you say, Katie, we operate in an environment, don't we? We need to articulate and demonstrate what it is we do and achieve and that can rub up against I think that principle that value if you like of um, developing relationships because it's hard it's hard sometimes to, to say well because I did A it led to B and it's almost like saying to our bosses our managers etc that trust me that if if we accept that developing relationships is crucial then you have to allow the time and the effort that goes into that and it's not something that a, I can measure, but it's not something I'm sure that I want to measure because that's not how relationships works. You, you know, I mean, you, you might reflect it occasionally, but you, you don't set up like a, a checklist, do you, and a criteria and start scoring your relationships. Mm -hmm. I think, well, you, you may do I just find it very, very odd that people would yeah. do that. And in the real world, you, you don't do that. So we have to kind of believe in, in, the, in the process. We have to believe in the concepts, I think. But that is tough, I think, in the environment in which we work. Yeah, yeah. I agree. We've come to our final question. I'm a genie now, okay? Yeah. So I'm going to grant you one wish on co-production. So if there's one thing that you could wish for to yeah. further co-production, what would it be? Well, in a very nice link, I'd actually been thinking about that. And, and it is time, <laughs> strangely, because uh, partly because of the comments people have made to me. Because I think people are filled with good intentions I think people you know people genuinely quite often do want to be able to do this to do it properly um, 
that time becomes a problem and whether that is redesigning a service within a busy health and social care environment where people are under pressure to do this quickly or getting a research proposal together and meeting deadlines for those and systems that don't fit with taking your time and doing the process properly you know and not being able to pay people so that you know the influence on the power dynamic before you've actually got there's all these things which do kind of come back to we don't often have that time to actually like we were talking about build those relationships get the right people together all that kind of thing because you do need to get to know each other if you're going to work on something like a research project together you know you need to know understand how each other works and what's the best way to work together you know and all those things and you can't just do that overnight quite often that is why things get left and it isn't because people don't want to do it it's because the systems around them just don't allow that time to actually you know enable that to happen so I'm not quite I don't, I don't think it's ever something which is going to be like achieved easily but I think it is important that people people do understand that these things take time I mean, I think from my experience, one step to sort of trying to address that would be, you know, when, when you put a research proposal together and we, we sort of say we, we have a PPI lead or, or co-production lead or whatever, and we devote a certain amount of time for that role in the project and it's never, ever enough. No. <laughs> and, and maybe, you know, it should be a rule of thumb to, to think of the time that you might need for that and double it because... Yeah. <laughs> the funders to I don't know appreciate the fact that it is time I absolutely agree with you we don't have enough time and that's often the obstacle and the sticking point and that somehow the funders recognize the, the necessity for more time for this without sort of requesting endless evidence to back this up but just sort of take it and think well yes this is a good way of working this is an effective way of working but in order to allow that to happen, we need to give more resources to it. Yeah. So, yes, I think that's one one step forward, probably one yeah. of many. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's not the only issue. For example, there was one project I was involved with where it was the co-applicants were people with learning disabilities who were part of our project and they were expected to register onto the funding system <laughs> and you know all of this kind of thing so we talked about it to them and they were, were really uncomfortable with actually doing that so we had to then have time to actually you know make sure that that thing happened because every, every individual applicant has to then agree that they've been they're part of the project you know the steps which have to happen um, and we had to build in, a, you know, a lot of lead-in time to enable that to happen. And you haven't always got that luxury, um, you know, to be able to do that. So, so there's a bit of a contradiction, I think, isn't there, in terms of what people want and what actually is facilitated. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure we're going to hear the alarm on your Pomodoro is going to go off in a minute. So, uh, but, uh, but thank you, Nelly, for being such a great guest. Thank okay. you, Katie, very much again for being such a great co-host, as always. And thank you for the uh, listeners to listening to this. If you, if you enjoyed this one, please do check out um, our other podcasts. We're on SoundCloud now. 
on if you go search on NIHR space RDS space SE all in caps uh, or indeed uh, on the Research Design Service Southeast website you'll find the uh, podcast there as well. Um, so thank you very much and cue the music. <laughs>